Welcome to the I Want to Know podcast. I'm Josh Spector, and I am your host. If you don't know who I am, I'm the creator of the For the Interested newsletter, which you can check out at fortheinterested.com. If you're new here and this is your first time listening or watching, this podcast exists to help creative entrepreneurs get their questions answered. It's really simple. In each episode, a guest comes on, asks me three questions. We talk about each of them for about 10 minutes, and that's it. Hopefully no fluff, lots of actionable tips and strategies you can use, and hopefully that are helpful to both the guest and you. Speaking of guests, today's guest is Zarna Garg. Zarna is one in a billion, and that's not just the name of her first comedy special, which airs in spring of 2023. She's also the only Indian mom comedian willing to take on her mother-in-law. Darn has been profiled as one of the gutsiest women in comedy on Apple TV's Gutsy Women series. She's currently touring the world with her show. She's the winner of Kevin Hart's Lift Comics, the winner of the 2021 Ladies of Laughter Award, and has over a million followers across various social platforms, including she's particularly huge on TikTok, which I'm sure will come up. And her debut feature screenplay, Rearranged, won Top Comedy Feature Award at the Austin Film Festival in 2019. Zarna is also a former client of mine and now a good friend and one of the hardest working comedians and just honestly entrepreneurs and creators that I have come across. I am a huge fan of hers. I have told her from the very beginning she is going to be massively successful and she is well on her way to proving me right. So with that in mind, hey, Zarna, welcome to the show. Hey, namaste, Josh. So excited to be chatting with you again. And if I've been successful on social media, I absolutely credit you for it because I was a hot mess before we spoke for the first <laughs> time. And you helped me understand, you know, what it is, how to connect with the audience and how you you made it simple and understandable. And, and I'll be forever grateful. Wow. Well, I, I appreciate that. But if you were a hot mess, they love your hot mess. And you, you're not only do you have a big following, but I really strongly recommend that people check out how Zarna uses social and genuinely just cares about her audience. And you can see it in sort of not just the number of followers, but how passionate they are about you and how they root for you. And it's just, you know, you, you do it right. So with all that said, let's get to the things you want to know. So let's get to your yeah. first question. What's the first thing you want to know? So I've noticed, Josh, because I follow you every day, I, I check out my Twitter because I want to know what Josh is thinking and saying. You tend to stay away from trending topics. You, I never see you do things like hashtag 4th of July or like something that's in the news. And you, you are always on brand. And as a creator, sometimes I get nervous that if I'm not jumping on the trending bandwagon, that am I missing out? Uh, what do you, how do you deal with other people uh, creating trending topics and how do you stay away from it? How do you even resist the temptation? So, yeah, I think this is a really good question. And it's funny because I know it's something that, that you've pointed out to me before that I don't think I had re ever really even thought about all that much. But I, you know, basically there, it's not that you can't talk about trending topics and there are upsides to doing it. And I'll talk about that in a second, but I think the, I'm very specific and recommend for most people, they be specific to their niche, the topics that are relevant to their audience and trying to provide value to those people. 
So for example, for me, I'm trying to teach people how to grow their audience and business. So that's what I'm going to talk mm -hmm. about. I'm not going to talk about just because some political thing is trending and I can reach a lot of people. I'm not going to talk. It's not relevant to my audience. And so I think that there's those topics that you see maybe based on what everyone is talking about, but my audience isn't everyone. So even if I were to talk about them, and even if they were to get me more reach and get me in front of more people, the people they're getting me in front of and the people I'm reaching are not the people I want to be my audience anyway, in most cases, a small percentage of them might be, but in general, they're, you know, you're reaching sort of the masses and for anyone, your audience isn't really the masses, right? It's a, it's a segment of the, of the masses. The other thing is, even though you might get a lot of quote unquote attention, you might get in front of a lot of people, you might get a lot of impressions, you might get likes, you might get comments, you might get whatever, because most of those people aren't necessarily, they're random people, they're not aligned with what your topic is, they're unlikely to follow you, even if they like the thing, because they're going to go to your profile, right? So if I did something about politics and someone saw it and they go to my profile and they go, well, this guy's talking about marketing and newsletters and social media all the time. I'm not going to follow him. I was interested in what he said about some political thing or some sports thing or some whatever, right? So I think a lot of that reach and the idea of the trending topics is sort of fool's gold because even though you might get it, you're not. it's not ultimately going to translate to anything. The other thing to keep in mind is when you post about trending topics and you get that additional reach, the reach that you're getting is people who have no context for who you are and what you do. So especially in your case, they don't know based on that one tweet that happened to show up in a trending thing or that one post or whatever, they don't know that you're a comic. They don't know your background. They don't know that you might be being sarcastic. And I think that also invites a lot of the negative feedback, the trolls, the miss the whatever, because you're no longer talking to the audience as the context for what you do. They just, right. you know, so it's very easy to be misunderstood. And I think it can cause a lot of just sort of headaches and, and other stuff. All that said, that doesn't mean that there aren't opportunities to leverage trending topics for your, for your own stuff. And there are probably times, I probably should honestly do it a little more than I do, especially when it's relevant. So for example, if Substack was trending for whatever reason, Substack is a newsletter company. It's very much in my space. It would be foolish, not foolish, but it would be a missed opportunity for me to not post something about Substack because that actually is the people talking about and reading about Substack are my audience, right? So I should hop on those topics that are relevant to what you're doing. The other thing is you can at times hop on sort of general topics, especially you as a comedian or people that are, you know, sort of broader consumer-based niche, you can hop on topics and use them to get across your own perspective, right? So like, let's say it was a 4th of July trending topic or something like that, you know, the generic 4th of July post or joke is kind of whatever, but the 4th of July post or joke that represents your perspective as an Indian mom or as a New Yorker or as whatever perspective 
that is interesting because it will connect with those people. So like, let's say, you know, let's say you did a 4th of July post that was some sort of joke or something related to an Indian mom's perspective of 4th of July. The people that's going to resonate are going to go, oh, this is funny. What's that? And they're going to go and they're going to see that it aligns with all your stuff. And that actually is going to convert to followers. So it's about 4th of July, which is broad and generic, but the content you've created around that topic has brought it back and narrowed it to you. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think in your experience, because I know like, obviously you've had a lot of success on TikTok and a lot of that is, you know, have you, do you have examples of ways that you've done that? I assume that you do that have worked well, where you've tackled like, how do you currently think about approaching those sort of trending topics? So I don't do any of the TikTok trends at mm -hmm. all for, for many reasons that you mentioned. Because also the things that you mentioned speak to the authenticity of the creator. Mm -hmm. And if it's not authentically who I am, I have no interest in putting that out there. Yeah. So I understood what you were saying. And I think that there is a context issue. For example, if there is, um, you know, Indian New Year and Diwali, Diwali in America becomes a fun trending topic for me to comment on. Yeah. So, or to do something, you know, in parallel with. So I've resisted it myself, and but I do have FOMO sometimes. I do yeah. think, oh, I should have jumped on it. Yeah. You know, but it's just not me. And I, you know, that's the other thing. You can, I believe strongly that the audience is so smart. <laughs> they know when something is not you. And yeah. It's not going to really work anyway. Yeah. So, and they know when you're just doing it. And it's funny that that's such a great point. And you see those accounts where you're like, I know they're only talking about this because it's trending. Exactly. Right. They don't actually care about this. They like, you can tell it's just a ploy to try to get eyeballs. And you know, it's funny, like I used to oversee social media for the Academy of Motion Pictures. And one of the first rules I had when I was there, like for my team is I was like, no birthday posts. Like oh, I yeah. get it. It's Gwyneth Paltrow's birthday. So what? Like we're not yeah. doing the Gwyneth Paltrow post, birthday post just so you can get like that trending, whatever. Because to me, it wasn't reflective of the brand. I was like, we're not People Magazine. Like this is a deeper, higher level of creative art and depth that our brand should represent. It shouldn't be, hey, happy birthday, you know, person whose name is trending, right? Yeah. <laughs> like it feels hollow. So that's how, that's how I, I think about it. Cool. Okay. So let's get to your, what's the second thing you want to know? Okay. So you, I have learned from you, the newsletters are very important. And I agree. I do think they're very important mm -hmm. from sales and discovery and just having a constant touch point with my fan base, with my team. But what I found is that getting people to sign up is a bit of a challenge, especially if you're a creator who's already putting a lot out on, say, Instagram or TikTok. I get pushback all the time that, why do we need to sign up with a newsletter? We already follow you on the platform. Mm -hmm. So, so what, me, what do you advise in that situation? So let me ask you this question. Why do you think when you get pushback, and I get that they're saying we already follow you. Why, why do you think they're hesitant to subscribe? I think generally people feel like they have too many newsletters because mm -hmm. when you buy anything today, you automatically get added to every retail brand, every, you know. So unfortunately, creators like you and me and me more so because I'm new yeah. at this, 
I get lumped in this with this bunch of people who are spamming constantly, which is not mm-hmm. what I do at all and not what I would ever yeah. do. But I think that that's where the resistance comes from. People are so overwhelmed with their inboxes. What are you offering them or what is the incentive you're giving them to sign up? Um, are you just saying sign up to my newsletter? Well, I just say sign up to my newsletter and that's obviously a mistake and not working. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think that I need to offer them something, but that is a second challenge because I spend so much time creating already that I don't even know how to create any more and keep it special. But I do think that if I can offer a, a, a more special or a more VIP experience mm-hmm. or a deeper connection, that that could be an incentive that would get people to sign up. Cool. So I'm going to give you a couple specific ideas of how you can do that that don't involve a ton of extra work and effort, right? So the first thing to the first thing to understand is there has to be a good reason for somebody to sign up to your email list. Both not only because of what you said, which is absolutely true. People are like, I already have too much email and I don't want to get spammed and I don't want like all this stuff, right? That's a real hesitation. And the other thing is honestly, just the time it takes. People are like, I don't want to click the link and type my, you know, people sit there on their phones just flying by. They're like, I don't want to go tight. It seems like nothing, but it's a legitimate thing that people are like, I don't want to go to the website and enter in my thing and, and whatever. The other thing I would say is that as I'm talking, as we're talking about this, you know, what we're really talking about is people who really like you. They follow you. You have a lot like your following is much bigger than your email list. So I'm not talking about sort of new people and whatever. I'm talking about for the purpose of this conversation, how do we get people who already know you, love you, trust you, whatever, to actually give you their email address, right? Which should theoretically be much easier than random people who you're trying to, you know, who aren't already, you know, you probably have super fans who are not email subscribers. And that's, that's a shame. Like that's a missed opportunity, right? So the reason why a super fan, so like, let's dig into like, why would a super fan not subscribe to your email list or newsletter? And it's because they don't necessarily see or think there's anything in it for them, right? Right. You need to be very clear about what you're offering to them through this that is valuable. And it shouldn't be that hard because they already know and love the stuff that you do. So all you have to do is make sure they understand that there's something they're going to get here that they don't get elsewhere, right? Because you don't have to convince them necessarily that it's good. They already trust you and know that your stuff's good. But if you don't specifically say that and point that out, if you just say, hey, sign up for my newsletter, they kind of go, why, why, right? <laughs> like, I, I, already, I already follow you. Why do I need to subscribe? So a couple of ways to do that. So the first thing is I'm a big, and this actually works both ways. I'm a big fan of looking for ways to connect your content together so that it's different but related in the newsletter and on social. And what it allows you to do is actually drive both ways. It allows you to drive your social audience to sign up for the newsletter. And uh-huh. it allows you to use the newsletter to drive people to basically, it's basically an algorithm breaker or cheat the algorithm. Because if you had, imagine if you had as many, imagine if the lists were the same, right? Imagine if you had as many email subscribers as you have Instagram followers, 
the algorithm wouldn't matter because you could all email them and go, hey, here's the new post. And they'd go in and that would actually spike the algorithm, et cetera. But so one of the ways to do that is, and again, there's a lot of different ways to do this, but here's one example. You could shoot a video, let's say for Instagram or TikTok. And give me an example of like a video you've done recently or you have coming up. I did a video about advising my 10-year-old on how to meet a little Indian girl. Okay. <laughs> okay. So per perfect example. And I can't wait to see that. I'm sure it's brilliant advice. So let's say you make that video. And I assume the video is basically you giving him a bunch of advice. And that's sort of the video ends with that. Yeah. Imagine if at the end of the video, you teased his response or his reaction and said, you're only sending it to your newsletter subscribers. Mm. Everyone that watches that video and go, it's almost like a cliffhanger, right? Every, this is what I mean by connecting content. Everyone that watches that video and goes, oh my God, this is really funny. I have to see what he says. You've now given them a reason to give you their email address. Uh -huh. Yes. And yeah. vice versa, right? So you could also do it the other way where it's like in your newsletter, you could set, you could say, Hey, I recently gave my 10 year old advice, dating advice. Here was his response. Oh, by the way, if you want to go see the advice I gave him, go to this TikTok video or Instagram video. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that's when you start to think like that, and, and that's one simple example, but you can see how building those connections Right. So you can, and you can do it with videos. You can do it with blog posts. You can do it with anything. And it doesn't have to be that much more work because you could even shoot existing videos and go, you know what? I'm going to save the last 10 seconds, the last punchline. Like you can create with that in mind. And you're going to start seeing way higher conversions. Even if you do it sporadically, like you don't need to do it in every video. But even if you did once a month, there was one video where like the follow-up, the cliffhanger, the whatever connected. I bet you'd see, I mean, you it's again, like we've talked about this before. Everything's an experiment and you see if it works. Oh, yeah, yeah. But my guess is because you're giving that clear reason for people to sign up, you're going to see a big uptick. And what's really interesting, especially in TikTok world, because you've had TikTok videos that go to millions of people who aren't even following you. If you imagine if your cliffhanger video happened to be one that took off and reaches millions of people. Wow. Right. If you get, if you get 2 million views, I'm going to do some really bad math at the moment, but like oh. if you, if you get, if you get a million views yeah, and 5% of the people who saw it sign up with their email to see the cliffhanger, you just added 50,000 email addresses pretty wild right wild Absolutely. and i don't know that it's that crazy to think that five percent of people who saw a video they loved would actually do it some of them might unsubscribe afterwards but a lot of them won't to see the the part two the cliffhanger so that is absolutely something i would try okay. um and see how it goes the other thing is by the way you could even do that with stand-up clips right you do a, you do a stand-up clip talking about your, you know, you do a stand-up clip about your mother-in-law and you go, Hey, want to see this story? You know, want to hear the story about what happened when my mother-in-law did this other thing? 
I'm sending it to my newsletter only this week or whatever. Another thing you can do separate from content is basically like a contest or a giveaway or again, some sort of incentive that's really easy. So if you went on TikTok or Instagram and said, hey, next week, I'm going to do, doesn't have to be cameo specific, but a cameo type video. Right. Send a message, or maybe I'm going to send three messages. I'm going to pick three newsletter subscribers and I'm going to do a private message that they can send to their friend or their mom or what, you know, whatever, their mother-in-law, whatever. But in order to have a chance at being chosen, you have to be subscribed to my newsletter. Little things that give people a reason to just, because you're, especially with your existing fans, all you got to do is nudge them a little bit of, because they already like you. Oh, that'd be cool. I would love to get her to do a cameo for me or, or whatever. So once you start thinking like, what are little simple incentives I can give them? And ideally, whenever you're promoting your newsletter, you can mix them up, but there's some sort of small something. So it's not just, hey, I have a newsletter, sign up for it. You'll see your conversions go way up. I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it. Yeah. I think the cliffhanger related content, I bet, will work really well for you. Yeah. And let me know. Try it and let me know. Because I haven't really seen people do it, to be honest with you. But I think it could be really effective. I mean, we'll find out. Because a lot of this stuff you really don't know until you do it. But there is... I mean, the crowds that follow, they all do have email and are, are extremely tech fluent. Mm-hmm. So I do think there's a good possibility this could work. Yeah. You just have to give yeah. them a reason. Yeah. And experiment with different reasons. And you will eventually come across the one that you're like, this works. That's and right. then you can just double down on double down on that. Yeah. Cool. So let's get to your third question. What is the next thing you want to know? Yeah. So one issue that I have is that I get a lot of pushback on pricing my events in mm-hmm. real life. So people know me as a warm, funny, almost like your mom next door, you know, persona. And when they want to book me for private events, they they assume, oh, it's just mom coming by or they want me to make a video. It's just a 30 second video. Now you and I know what goes into building this. And when I, when I give them the price or my team gives them the price, I get pushback. I'm like, oh my God, like they, they all, almost always feel shocked. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to learn how to, how to position myself without, without, I feel like I'm constantly having to explain myself and I don't think I should have to. Yeah, you definitely shouldn't. First of all, I love this. This is such a Zarna question. I love it because... Zarna is, for people who don't know, Zarna is a legit businesswoman. Like you said, beneath all the kind, funny, anti-comedian, whatever. Zarna's about business and I love it because most cre- most creators are not. And you should be. Like, I, I don't, like, I think it, it is absolutely a part of being a comedian, being a creator, whatever. Like, I think this idea that like, oh, I'm an artist and not a business person, like, that's not true. Successful artists are business people. So I'm all for it and I love it. I would also say you're right. There is nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with charging good money for creating stuff or putting on shows for people or doing promotions. And you absolutely shouldn't feel bad about people saying no, right? If they go, oh, that seems really, okay, well, good for you. Like someone else is going to get it. But 
I think that, and I don't know exactly the way you're talking about with other people, but based on your question here, I think is the, the shift that I think will help you. And I think it's so common because lots of people are have the same sort of thing that you're thinking about. The reason that you're charging a high fee or whatever is not because of how much time it takes you to make the videos or produce the show or whatever. It's not because it's hard. It has nothing to do with on your end. Okay. So you're charging a good fee because you're providing a lot of value to the buyer. Your job when you get pushback or when you get questions or when you get, oh, that seems really high is not to justify but I have to put all this work in It's to explain to them why it provides that amount of value to them. Got it. Right. That's what makes it worth it to them. A couple of things to remember. Number one. So they are, what they're paying you for something is not in a vacuum. It's in comparison, whatever they're going to get, whatever value or result they're going to get from paying you to do something is in comparison to what it would cost them to get or do that elsewhere. It's not a random number of like, oh, Zarna says she charges that. Is it worth it or not? It's like, Zarna says she can get me this result or reach this many people or do X, Y, and Z. If I didn't pay Zarna to do that, what would it cost me to do that on my own? That's the val- That's the actual value assessment. So for example, you have about, I think, like 500,000 followers on TikTok. You have videos regular, And obviously, some videos do better than others and et cetera. And you can't guarantee stuff necessarily. But you regularly have videos that break 100,000 views, right? So if I'm a brand or a business or somebody who's coming to you, the question is, what would that brand or business have to spend to reach that audience on their own? And the truth is, they would have to do a bunch of things, right? They'd have to create a video. They'd have to pay to promote it to reach that audience. And they're just doing it cold. They don't even have, you have an audience that trusts you. There's a value to that endorsement. So that's a significant, so when someone comes to you and says, hey, that seems like a lot of money, as opposed to saying, yeah, but it takes me a lot of time to do this stuff and this is hard, which they don't really care about. You instead want to talk about it from their point. You go, I understand it seems like a lot of money. But you're going to reach X amount of people. Like if you didn't hire me and you wanted to accomplish this result, here's what you would have to do. And it would be very expensive. And you don't even know necessarily if, you know, how it would work or if it would work or whatever. You want to make the case that hiring you is actually the cheapest, maybe not the cheapest, but that you want to make the case that hiring you is actually a very cost-effective way to get what they want. Mm. Right? Right. The reason they're talking to you in the first place is because of a result that they want. Right. All you have to do is show them that the money that they're paying you, the value they're going to get is more than the money that they're paying, right? So another note here, the idea of whether or not a sponsorship or promotion or whatever, what the idea of whether or not it's expensive is completely relative, depending on what they're promoting, what they're doing, the cost of that, the cost of that thing, the price of their product, how much acquiring a new customer is worth to them. Let's say I sell t-shirts and I know that 
the average person who buys one of my t-shirts buys two t-shirts a year for the next five years, the value of acquiring that customer is way more than selling one t-shirt, right? Like businesses know basically what the, what the value of customer acquisition is and the light, the lifetime value. Now you may not necessarily know that, but it's a, it's a conversation you can have, right? For example, so I had a conversation recently with someone who wanted to buy, uh, was thinking about buying ads in my newsletter. Uh-huh. And my ad prices are about to, to go up to $350 an ad, but at a time, at the time we were having this conversation, they were $200, right? And he was sort of asking, I forget exactly what his service was, but he had a service business. Like it wasn't social media management, but something like that, right? Right. So his question, so his question was. You know, he was kind of feeling me out of like, do I think that's a good fit for the audience? Like he's trying to gauge, right? Is this going to be worth my money? And I said to him, I was like, well, I assume based on the service that you offer that a customer is probably worth at least a couple thousand dollars. Right. Right. And, you know, he said, yeah. And I said, well, okay. So the question isn't, is this going to be bonkers with my audience? The question is, are you going to get one client out of it? Right. Because if you get one client, you made $2,000 and it costs you $200, right? So that, so depending on the brand and the product reframes the entire conversation. And the conversation I'm having with him is about value to him, not, Hey, I have a lot of people and I have to write the newsletter and this is what the price is. Like, I'm not justifying the price based on my end. I'm justifying the price based on theoretical value to him. And the truth is at $200 an ad, he could buy five ads or an ad a week for five weeks. And all he needs to do is get one client for him to still double his investment, right? Those are the conversations you want to have. So when someone comes to you and says, I don't know, this seems really expensive for you to just make a video and mention my whatever, you know, you can start to dig into like, well, okay, but you sell this clothing product and your dresses are $200 and I'm going to reach 50,000 people. And if you didn't do it with me, it's going to cost you X amount to reach 50,000 people on Facebook ads or Instagram ads or whatever. Like it shifts the whole conversation. And I think that's where you want to go. Does that does that all make sense? Absolutely. And 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 I think it's also key not to lead with how much work I do to get because yes. it's just they don't care. And they shouldn't and, care. It's not about right. it's not their problem. Exactly. Not only do they not care, but the flip side of it works for you. Let's say it was easy. Like the truth is running ads in my newsletter is easy. I copy and paste it, right? It takes two right, minutes. Right. Right. That doesn't mean it's not worth a lot of money. Right. So that's the other reason why you don't want to go because you don't want the other to be true where it's like, oh, this is easy for me to just post a whatever. Um, right. It's it's about the value created it has nothing to do with the time involved and neither side should really care. It's one of the reasons like I don't I don't ever do hourly charging because I think it's bad for both parties. Like, right. If someone's hiring me, you should not want to incentivize me to take longer to do the work for you. 
Right. right. You don't want to yeah. say like, oh, I'm going to pay you X amount an hour. And it's like, oh, great. Well, I could do it in two, but I'm going to do it in 10 now so I can get more money. Yeah. Like, it's just bad on, it's bad on both sides. The other piece of this, I know we had sort of a related question to quickly tackle and talk to me about platforms and your question about sort of using different platforms and some for selling. Yeah. So I I do think that people who focus on one platform, and this is your advice also, Mm -hmm. you build a bigger following in that platform because each platform, as we know, has its own language, has its own sensibility, and it takes a while to learn it and all of that. But in Mm -hmm. my experience, each platform is good for certain things. So as a professional comedian, I feel like I have to do TikTok because Mm -hmm. nobody can beat TikTok for discovery. But Mm -hmm. I also need to do Instagram and Facebook because that's where the sales are generated. Mm -hmm. So how do you balance? What should be your North Star when you're creating something? And how would you prioritize if you were in my shoes? You think sales are created on Instagram and Facebook because that's where people are booking you, like hiring you to do shows or? Exactly. So they they seem to all be hanging out on TikTok just to see what who the comedians are and all. But mm-hmm. when they when I put a flyer out, no one on TikTok mm-hmm. cares about the flyer. But and TikTok yeah. won't even promote it, by the way, because they don't want that. But yeah. Instagram and Facebook will support a creator in that way. Like mm-hmm. they'll allow me to boost it. They will put it on their explorer page. Yeah. So I I kind of feel like I need to do two at the minimum. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, and and you know, and that definitely may be true. I think what's important, and it sounds like you're already sort of thinking this way, is understanding why you're using each platform, right? Like you're not just sort of like, oh, I'm just everywhere to be everywhere and reach more people. Uh, but- you sort of realize like, all right, TikTok's kind of my awareness, audience growth play. I'm really using Instagram and Facebook as more of a conversion sort of sales thing. I would also argue, you know, I always come back to sort of email list newsletter, right? I would argue that's the silver bullet that really the best thing that's going to help you sell is that if you can get those people off of social and onto email. So I think it's, you know, I definitely think it's okay. I also think that, I mean, you've been doing this for a while and you have a lot of content created. So it's one thing to sort of like, my advice is always like for people to start with one platform get a feel for that. Cause I think you'll grow faster when you're focused on one platform than when you're scattered. You, I think are far enough along that you're like, all right, well now I can also sort of go here and you're, you understand how the platforms are working for you and what you're getting. So I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing as long as you're being sort of strategic about it. And you're not just there because you feel like, oh, I have to be everywhere. And do, you know, Twitter is a good example, right? I know you sort of use Twitter, but it's way down the list of your, which is totally fine, right? It would be very different if you were like, I have to be here and there and there, and I have to do everything. No, you're using Instagram and Facebook for a specific purpose. You're using TikTok for a specific different purpose. And you've tested and seen you're doing what works on those platforms. So I think that's fine. I think for you, it goes back to sort of our earlier question of like, the the more that you can drive those people into email is going right. to help you with everything else. It's going to help you promote content. It's going to help you drive sales. It's going to help you do all of that. But yeah, you're you're on the you're on the right track. 
Thank you with your help. <laughs> yeah. So cool. So we will wrap this up, but Zarna, tell tell everyone where they should go follow you and get your email and your TikTok and see the madness that goes on on your socials. <laughs> well, first of all, please, everybody sign up for my newsletter, zarna.com yeah. for a happy Happy dose of clean family fun every week in your new inbox. And you can find me at Zarna Garg on all major platforms, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and also OnlyFans. OnlyFans. <laughs> yeah. And I just oh. signed up. I just signed up for Be Real. My son was like, mom, you got to uh, yeah. Be Real. You know, so now Be Real as well. Yeah. She's Zarna's everywhere. It doesn't matter. I could tell Zarna to only be one, be on one platform, but one platform is not enough to contain her. So you'll you'll see her everywhere. Thanks for listening. Please, if you do rate and review this podcast on whatever platform you're listening to, I appreciate it. For more of my nonsense, get my newsletter for theinterested.com slash subscribe. You can sign up for my skill session workshops at joshspector.com slash sessions. If you want to talk about hiring me for some one-on-one -on -one help, go to joshspector.com slash consulting. I'm on Twitter all the time at jspector. And if you would like to be a guest on this podcast, go to joshspector.com slash questions and submit the three questions you would want to ask me. And maybe we'll be on here or I'll be on here talking to you one of these days. Thanks again for your interest. I will see you next week. Thanks again, Zarna. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Namaste. Nam Namaste to you too.